this accent? Good question. Many accents in this film, none of them are historically accurate or really legible. Part of the magic. Very good. It's us, we're back. We are back. It's been quite a time. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, me neither. Because <laughs> it's just, it's so many things all at once. Um, it is. It but is. hello from the end of the world. I'm Renee. And I'm Quinn. And this is Your, Your Next, Next Obsession, Obsession, Season 3. We are still obsessed. We are still obsessed with things and each other mm-hmm. and being in semi-hot apartments. Yeah. I've moved. That's that's an update. You have moved. It is less hot in here. Yeah, you have also moved. We have both switched jobs. True. Multiple times. Multiple, a couple times now. <laughs> Anything else happening in the world? Uh, I think there were maybe some elections, maybe some uh, global schmanschmemics. Oh, um, yeah. The old schmanschmemic. Yeah. Who could forget? But we don't need to remind people of that. I think they know. They've heard. They're aware. Yeah. This is not... Their first introduction. I really, I seriously hope not. I seriously hope not. That would be disastrous. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we're back. We're back for a new season, a new lease on life. And we have some pretty slick episodes lined up. We have some exciting plans. One might say they all follow a somewhat similar theme. A through line. Of, yeah, a there's through a, line. There's a That's through lovely. line. Yes, there's a through line to this season. And what is it, Quinn? It's Keanu Reeves. It's Keanu Reeves! <laughs> because what does the world need more of? Time talking about men. Um, I really hope that he's listening to this right now. I hope he's flattered. And because we are dedicating an entire season to him and his career. How could he not be flattered? Yeah. Is the thing. This is the official Keanu retrospective. This is the unabridged. Yes, unabridged and unauthorized. Absolutely, <laughs> completely, totally unauthorized autobiography of Keanu Reeves. Yes. As told by some movies that he's been in. <laughs> we we selected what we're going to talk about based on our interest level and appreciation level and the cultural relevance and entertainment value of these specific films. It is by no means a complete look. Oh, at absolutely the, not. Because his career at this point is vast. He has done many, 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 many films. Generations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, we are really just cherry-picking what we're obsessed with. For those of you who don't know the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining us in season three. If you feel the need, you can go back, listen to seasons one and two. There's some really fun little nuggets in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast is all about diving deep into our niche obsessions. Mm. And this season, we just thought, you know, there were too many Keanu Reeves movies for it not to be a Keanu Reeves season. I'm really excited to see the turn that it takes and to see, like, what we continue to discover about Keanu. Like, he is somebody who you all probably think you know really in depth, but... You don't see him the way we see him, or the way our future guests might. Accurate. So we're going to get a lot of fresh perspectives, hopefully have some really fun discussions, and revisit some really uh, wonderful, joyful, uh, irreverent pop culture moments. It's all true. And also, I would like to note that all of this is 100% genuine, that Mm -hmm. we really do love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, not This is in no way... Yes. Yeah, we're not being facetious (laughs) when we say we love Keanu. Genuine, authentic appreciation. Which is the point of the pod, and Mm -hmm. we hope that it brings uh, some genuine love into your life, and it makes you think about your niche obsessions, and gets gets you talking about them with the people you love. True enough. Well said. So, Quinn, what are we talking about today? Today is a double feature. Oh wow, we are starting out with a treat! Yes. Uh, Today is a combined episode about my intense obsession with two Keanu Reeves films, Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola from 1992, and the film Dangerous Liaisons from 1988. Directed by? Uh, Stephen Frears. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat less of a household name. (laughs) 
<laughs> my good friend Steve. But I'm not obsessed with Steven. I'm obsessed with Keanu. That's no, that's fair. That's totally fair. I just wanted, you know, to cite our sources. Yeah, very true. Give the people what they want. Anywho. A bibliography. <laughs> I think these two go really well together because they're both sort of like costume drama period pieces that sort of play into their, but have really specific genres. Mm -hmm. Dracula, obviously, in the sort of classical, horror, gothic Gothic. Dangerous liaisons being, I don't know, 18th century French romp with some also really dark themes. Like, it's definitely more a serious drama a bit more highbrow yeah horror is not typically thought of as highbrow or i don't i don't really think it was until more recently honestly i mean we have had this discussion you Mm -hmm. and i and we could have it on the pod Mm -hmm. about our thoughts about the horror genre and how it is becoming really the art house genre of our time Uh, agreed and i think they're really interesting examples of keanu's range and the sort of beautiful salad that is his career just a combination of really interesting characters and genres and styles of filmmaking but what he brings to each role regardless of all of this is himself his pure Keanu-ness like I would argue he is one of those actors who kind of is himself in every role oh absolutely yeah and he makes it work, even in situations where you might not think he would. Like, Dangerous Liaisons was, like, a really high-budget studio award season movie with Glenn Close, John Malkovich, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, all of these, like, A-list actors, which he was at the time. He was quite famous already by 1988. But you would not perhaps expect, based on the early years of his career, for him to be in a movie like this. Yeah. Um, And yet, there he is. And yet... There he is. I think that's really going to be the theme of this season, Mm -hmm. is like, should he be there? Who knows? But is he there? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. The New York Times last year at some point did a piece of like the 50 best actors of the 20th century or something, and he's on it. I mean, he's prolific. He is. Like, he has been in... He works. Blockbuster franchise after blockbuster franchise. He stays booking. He stays working, and even though I would argue... Not necessarily, like, the most transformative acting in the entire world. No. But... We're not reinventing the wheel here. No. But it works. We know what we're getting. And he really does, you know, he just pops into all of these different kinds of movies and you're like, where Keanu? They're Keanu. And then you can't imagine the movie without him in it. Absolutely. I would also like to note, before we delve too much more into this episode... Mm-hmm. Some of these movies both of us have seen and we will both be talking about. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those. I'm coming into this yes. really fresh-faced, bushy-tailed, clear-eyes-full heart. Yeah. Can't lose. Can't lose. But we, I am armed with some clips so that we can Always get your, your fresh take on it. Obviously, myself as a Keanu veteran with these films, I have my own sort of ideas and notions about it, but I also want to hear your perspective as somebody who knows Keanu, but perhaps not these particular films. Um, and just to reference again, the New York Times piece, it's oh, the, yes. the 25 greatest actors of the 21st century so far. He's, n- I want you to guess what number, don't look Oh, up. I already saw. Okay, well, before you saw, what number would you guess Out of 25? Was? Out of 25, where do you think he would be and in the 25 is like, one is the best, right? 25 is I think, yeah, one worst. is the best. Okay. I would guess like solidly in the middle. 10 to 18. And where is he on the ranking? Four! Yeah, he's number, number four. four. <laughs> Which... This is, this is the blurb written by A.O. Scott. It says, Maybe you're surprised to find Keanu Reeves so high on the list. As I was. As we were. Okay, correct. But A.O. ask yourself, have you ever been disappointed when he showed up in a movie? No. Can you name one film, emphasis mine, can you name one film that has not been improved by his presence? We're talking about Ted Logan here. About Neo, John Wick, Diane Keaton's also-ran love interest in Something's Gotta Give. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Ali Wong's also ran love interest, a guy named Keanu Reeves, in Always Be My Maybe. Surely there is not another movie star who exhibits so much range while remaining so irreducibly and inscrutably himself. That is like a vi- I'm so glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the perfect little nugget of kind of why we can sustain an entire season about Keanu. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not talking about like, oh my God, look how he transforms into all of these roles. We're like, oh my God, look at this range of movies that he's in. Somehow kind of plays himself in all of them. And yet 
it works and is fantastic. And I would argue it's a more pure form of creative expression to just always Hmm. bring your complete self and let that be enough. Like, I think there's something really beautiful about that. And not everybody can do it, right? Like, Daniel Day-Lewis is really famous for being super, quote-unquote, method, also known as an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And has a lot of very strong feelings. Listen, I mean, he gets results, so, like, don't at me for saying it. About the method method. (laughs) But most people who say they are method actors are just just nightmares. Like, they are just living nightmares who you can't wait to get away from. Keanu just brings his full self to everything. And I think that is, in many ways, more vulnerable, more difficult, and more brave. And more important than being the most educated, the most well-trained, the one with the most classical experience. If you can't show the world, if you can't show us as the audience who you really are, then we're never really going to believe you. That is so fascinating. Mm Because I feel like, especially as actors who went to acting school... Mm -hmm. And are quote unquote classically trained. True that. There is that component of like, oh, they're just like the same person in every movie, or the people like Daniel Day Lewis, mm-hmm. your Meryl Streeps, your Viola Davises, who do really transform. And it's like both are valid mm-hmm. and both serve their purposes. But I like what you're saying because I feel like people who kind of play, you know, similar type people or like really seem like themselves in a lot of movies usually get shit for that. Mm-hmm. But I like what I, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, that I, I mean, not thought of. if you're just playing yourself and you're not challenging yourself and you're not like being true to the character, that's one thing. Sure. But I really do feel like Keanu takes the character and the work seriously, but maybe not himself so seriously, if that makes sense. No, that is that is wonderful. Yes, because it doesn't come across as him like coming onto set, mm-hmm. being like, whatever, I'm just going to do my thing and leave. Mm-hmm. It just seems like. He seems, uh, like, egoless, which brings out the kind of, like, yes, there are similarities in his characters, there are similarities in the way that he speaks and stuff, but it feels genuine, it doesn't feel lazy. Yeah, and it's clear just based on the career choices, and specifically these movies that we're talking about, he he hasn't limited himself into, like, what Mm -mm. his type is, right? I think in several iterations of his career, like, Bill and Ted to The Matrix, like, those are two very different genres two very different types of characters that he easily could have gotten just stuck in like he really easily could have just stuck in like the goofy broy comedy stoner character or the action star and he hasn't he's like really done all manner of different movies and you can tell he just has a really great imagination and like doesn't let anybody else tell him who he can or can't be he's probably also i feel like when you see actors who really span a lot of different genres, different generations, different franchises, they must be a pleasure to work with. He really does seem like a peach, doesn't I he? Ho- like, I sincerely hope that that is true. Me too. Um, all of this is lovely, but let's, let's talk dive about... In. Let's talk about these two. I'm right. very excited because I've heard you talk many times about Dracula <laughs> and how excited you are. Let's begin. So I'm stoked. It's not chronologically first, but I really Whatever. think it's a wonderful place to begin. Yes, Bram Stoker's Dracula, released in 1992. I can't, I really couldn't say what prompted me to watch this movie. I was trying to watch more horror movies, more like genre-focused stuff over the COVID, just to sort of stretch myself a little. And this was on HBO Max, and I thought, ooh, cool, fun costume drama. Truly didn't even really understand who was in it. Came into it pretty blind. Started watching it and realized, oh, this movie is fucking batshit. I'm obsessed with it, and I have not stopped thinking about it since. I don't think a day has gone by where I haven't thought about this movie. It's unhinged. It's insane. And I love it. And it's directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It's directed by the man who made The Godfather. And Apocalypse made, Now. And Apocalypse Now <laughs> made this movie that is so silly in the best way and doesn't give a shit <laughs> does not give a shit yes but it was kind of came out at an interesting point in his career as well because this is obviously post godfather like post oh francis's yeah just transitioning for a moment to talking about the director francis ford coppola he had obviously had his sort of golden era in the 70s with the godfather and apocalypse now and all the and uh the conversation all these like really highbrow elevated some of the best movies of all time Mm -hmm obviously started doing that after being a screenwriter and sort of has all this like great experience and is really considered like an auteur. And then he has a bunch of flops. He, that's, that's really the high. I mean, whatever, like it's all subjective. Art is all subjective. I'm not trying to say that like 
Right. I think the, most people would movie. agree, though, that, like, yes. he, he really peak. You can't really peak after, after the, the Godfather. Godfather. It's true, like, right? And so he really took some big swings. And the thing about big swings is that you miss a lot because you're not being very precise. Well, <laughs> and then you sports. get... <laughs> that is as sporty as I will ever get. And so then you get movies like this, and which actually Winona Ryder brought the script to him. That she, isn't that crazy? He, she, he was gonna cast Winona Ryder in The Godfather Part 3. She was gonna play the Sofia Coppola part. I think she backed out. Oh, okay. I think Winona Ryder backed out. And so she felt, I, this is my understanding, and we can fact check this later. Why fact check before the episode? No, come on. Uh, that's not our, how, this is all our opinions. This is not how we roll. It's not okay? a news podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't come here to be educated, all right? No, these are all our opinions and we've never been shy about it. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, so I think she like felt bad for backing out of it. And so she was like, okay, let's do another movie together. Like I have this script. And it just so happened that um, Francis Ford Coppola really loved Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the, the book, the novel. Yeah. Like, really loved it, remembered reading it as a boy, like, really loved the sort of gothic style of this horror thing, like, of the same era as, like, Frankenstein and all those other, like, classic horror stories. And so he decided to direct it, and he... wrote it? Okay, so the screenplay was written by James V. Hart. Again, what a classic. Um, But Coppola directed and produced it, and... He made the movie for Sony Pictures. It was actually all filmed on a soundstage just down the street from where we are now at Sony Studios. And because so many of his previous previous movies had gone so wildly over budget, he was like very committed to coming in at or under budget for this film. And I think that shows. <laughs> I think it shows. You can tell it was most of it was made on a soundstage like but it kind of works. It's sort of more theatrical. They were definitely going for a more theatrical style. It's a, it's a movie about, in case you haven't heard, Dracula's a vampire, so we're not going for realism here, okay? This is not slice of life, straight out of the headlines kind of situation. Vampires are not real. Anyway. You heard it, you heard it here first. Um, and as you may or may not know, Winona Ryder was obviously attached to this movie from the very beginning, playing Mina Harker, and... Keanu Reeves plays Jonathan Harker, who in the original Dracula novel is the person who, like, first meets Dracula and is sort of seduced by him. Um, And I think Keanu and Winona started dating. I don't know when they started dating, but I do know that they had a whirlwind romance. They did have a whirlwind romance. And it was this, and then they were also in that. They've been in a couple movies together. They have, which I think is very sweet. I was surprised at so much when I started watching this film and I was very surprised to see Keanu Reeves. I mean, all of it was a surprise. We have Gary Oldman in the t- in the titular role. Keanu as Jonathan Harker. Uh, Winona as Mina Harker. A bunch of other people. Anthony Hopkins is in this movie. Random. Richard E. Grant. Carrie Yules. I hope I'm saying that right. Tom Waits. It's just it's just a real who's who. Who is Tom who. Waits in this movie? He's Renfield. Dracula's, like, minion. Well, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... I want you to watch the trailer. Amazing. Okay, so Renee is going to watch the trailer. She has headphones in, and we're going to get her live, in-the-moment reaction to what she sees. This okay. is the official trailer. I wish I could say what you. is happening. Oh, just some deep breaths, yeah. some Anthony Hopkins face close up. Drop. <laughs> oh. Did it just turn like sepia tone? Oh, oh, is that a sugar cube? It's, it's absent. What are you? That is a really accurate representation of the quality of what our is British dialect in this film. So much. Ooh, and special. Young, young Keanu. Oh. He can appear as Miss. 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 He can what was that like? Oh, wait. 
Oh, and now we're just going to be flash, 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 different scenes, drama, heightened music, and a sinister laugh. Wow. Oh, and the book close. closes from the beginning. It's all coming around. Yeah. Wow, that was really a whirlwind. Here's what I will say. I have zero idea what the uh, what the tone of this movie is. Yeah. It's very hard to tell if it's like trying to be campy and bad mm-hmm. or if it's just like, oh, it was the early 90s. Yeah. It is bad. Yes. Watching the film does not clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> the question we remains. never get clarity. No, I think, I mean, it is campy. It is heightened. It's not strictly realism. Right. And it's also not strictly clear what it is they're going for. <laughs> it, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I could see it really. You know what this trailer felt like? It felt like all of these A-list celebrities mm-hmm. were hanging out at Francis Ford Coppola's house. Mm-hmm. And they were like, let's do a skit. Mm-hmm. Like for our parents, you know, like what you do when you're hanging out with your buds. Uh-huh. And then you're like, parents come to pick you up and you're like, we made a skit. Mm-hmm. That's what this feels like. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and, uh. As you can see, there are, you said special effects as you were watching it. Yes, so I there did say are that. a lot of like visual effects, special effects, makeup, and an important thing to know about this film is that all of the special and visual effects are in camera. Ooh. So there's very little VFX, any kind of like digital editing, altering of oh, no, what you I, see. There it's was, all in camera. Uh, there was never any doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but even the stuff like when you see the eyes yeah. in the train car, like that was all done in studio and I think the idea was to try and replicate some of the techniques of early cinema that were sort of in the same era that the movie is set. Oh that's interesting and cheaper. Yes Yes. and And yes. This movie is a great example of what it means to make really strong choices with very little backing them up. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely feels Again, just from the trailer, mm-hmm. it do- there is a component of it that feels kind of like slapdashed together. It's also an incredibly horny movie. Oh yeah, I mean, was she having sex with? Just unclear. No, I think Fog? it's. I think it's that he can like enter. She. I think she was having a Her? sexy dream. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, she was having a sexy dream. About Dracula, Got just it. really quickly, are you familiar at all with the story of Dracula? <laughs> okay, great, then I'll fill you in. So Jonathan Harker, kind of unclear what his job is, but he's some sort of, like, banker, real estate person in London in the, like, 1800s. And he hears about this, like, person who's buying up all of this land in London, and he goes to, you know, Transylvania to meet with him, and it's Dracula. His name is, he's, like, Count Vlad Dracula. That obviously Dracula's a vampire and he gets stuck there. Dracula trap tricks him and traps him and then travels to London in disguise, sort of like regenerated to a younger self and seduces Jonathan Harker's fiance, Mina Harker. Mm. And she kind of falls in love with him and is sort of bewitched by him, the vampire. And he the idea in the movie is that she's kind of a reincarnation of his medieval wife who killed herself. Keanu, he's doing his best. Everybody is doing their best. He is doing his best to do a sort of period British dialect. Mm. And I think just because it's just it's just not great, right? Like it's not it's no, not the best. It's not the best. When when you said that it was in London and then you said Keanu Reeves was in it. Yeah, he yeah. got a lot of shit for his dialect at the time. Like a lot of the reviews really panned his performance and his dialect specifically, but I honestly watching it didn't think it was any worse than Winona Ryder's. Like I thought they were I honestly thought they were equally bad. She was just sort of more prestige at the time and I think people kind of gave her cuz she was like so hot yeah. in the early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think people kind of like gave her a pass or just didn't care or notice, but like her dialect is also bad. Yeah, I mean, well, you get that in so many movies where, like, the more prestigious, the mm-hmm. more, like, accolade you know, actors, sometimes uh, things pass. We let, the, we let it we let it Yeah, slide we let it slide. The way we and don't for, for other For Keanu, people. I will forgive many multitudes of sins, this British accent being one of them. You are gracious. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> a gracious um, lord. It's just such a fun time and a wild ride. It's not a movie that you so much understand as it is a movie you experience. You just kind of let it wash over you 
I think the real argument is that vampirism is like some kind of metaphor for like lust or sexuality or sensuality. That makes sense. And that is not, there are many things this movie is. One thing it is not is subtle. I think we've established that. Yeah, Yeah, which is good because Keanu is also not especially subtle. That is super true. Mm -hmm. And I think in this it works. He can just, and he kind of has, he kind of has the thankless job in this movie which is the character that, like, is central to the plot, but is not the most interesting. I mean, he kind of seems like the husband in Rocky Horror, who it's yes. like they go to this weird place, mm-hmm. she gets seduced, and he kind of is just, like, the straight man to set up totally. the normalcy yes. part. He gets seduced <laughs> by, like, the brides of Dracula Cute. that are sort of also giving the fates or like medusa e vibes at mm. some point it's a real mishmash yeah we're really combining all sorts of lore yes if we were still in college and i was writing a paper about it i would use the word pastiche um so he's stuck in transylvania i guess kind of getting raped and like also drained by mm. these brides of dracula and anyway he escapes makes his way to a convent then writes a letter to Mina, who thinks that he's just, like, dropped off the face of the earth while being seduced by Dracula. So then she travels to Romania, Transylvania, to marry him, and they get married, and then they come back to London, and then they have to defeat Dracula, which brings them back to Transylvania. But I thought but she loved Dracula. She kind of does. But, okay, so he, he's not, like, he doesn't show up in London and is like, hey, I'm Dracula, wanna fuck? It's, I mean, he, like, says, I'm some Eastern European prince, and look how young and hot I am, and look at this luscious wig. It's and happened to all of us. <laughs> he goes, have you tried absinthe? Want to dance? And that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. True enough. Um, and that's pretty much what happens. So she thinks he's some, like, fancy European prince. But there's something deep and dark about him, and she doesn't know what it is, and it feels like she knew him in a past life. Wink, wink. That kind of a situation. Mm. And then eventually... So Dracula also, because he needs to feed while he's in London trying to seduce her, he ends up, like, her friend, who's, like, a fun... She, her friend's kind of a slut. The movie makes her out to be a slut, and I... and But celebrates that at the same time. We right. are slut no celebrating, shame. not slut shaming. We are never slut shaming on this As show, I said before, no. it's a very horny movie. That was evident Yes, in and the so her friend gets turned into a vampire, and that's how they kind of... And then Anthony Hopkins plays Van Helsing, the famous vampire hunter, and so he's like, yeah, this is definitely a vampire situation. And everyone's like, yes, we believe you 100%. No questions asked. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah, that never happens. That's and confusing. so she turns into a vampire and they have to kill her because she's a vampire now. And then they have to stop Dracula. But at that point, she's like kind of already in love with him. And she like starts to get turned. She, she starts to turn into a vampire because he he like comes into her room and he's looking all sexy and she's all horny and they kind of start to do it. They're, like, making out, and then she's like, uh, uh, bite me, uh, and then he does, and then she's like, I want to taste your blood, and then they're, like, you know, doing the vampire thing. At this point, does she know? Yes. Yeah, that, at that okay. point, she kind of knows. Right. It's revealed to her who he truly is. Uh, and, and at this point, she is already married to Keanu Reeves, so she is cheating on Keanu with a vampire. With Dracula. Which has got to hurt. For Keanu? Yeah, for Keanu. Oh, okay. That's gotta be rough. He's like, are you kidding me? This guy imprisoned me in his castle for months and the whole time you were doing the dirty! Yeah, that is a real insult to injury situation. <laughs> Truly, he's like, happening. I have all this trauma. My hair is white now. In one, He's got sort of like a Bride of Frankenstein's so white streak yeah. in his hair after he comes back because he's, you know, traumatized. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's how we happens. talked about mental illness in the 90s. <laughs> True enough. Your hair goes white. That's it. And it was like, ooh, I guess you're crazy Yeah, now. that's how you know it's serious <laughs> if you have some kind of wardrobe change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they have to go back to Transylvania and kill Dracula. And she, I think as like an act of kindness, she eventually does it because he's like mortally, Dracula is mortally wounded. And she like deals the final blow, but she feels bad about it. And then that stops her being completely turned into a vampire. Okay. I feel like that's not really how vampire science works, but like, sure. Yeah. The very, the very hard science of being a vampire. The hard science of of vampirism. Yes. So you get a lot of Keanu early in this movie as he travels from London to Transylvania and is sort of introduced to Dracula. And you get these like voiceover moments of him because the book is written sort of like in in letters. Oh, in cool. like fictional that's letters fun. of him writing to to Mina, and you sort of get different characters, different letters, and that's kind of how the story unfolds. Not unlike Frankenstein. I think Frankenstein is like that. It's like the diary entries of Dr. Frankenstein. Oh. 
And so you get a lot of Keanu voiceover. You get a lot of that dialect. Ooh, a lot of the dialect and none of the pretty face. Yeah. That is. You do get some nice close-up shots of him looking perplexed, which is really his natural state. It is. He's always like, how did I get here? Yeah, that's always the face. You know? It's yeah. just the sort of open questioning like, huh? Yeah, for sure. perfect. <laughs> but he honestly does very little. <laughs> I don't really get why he was trapped, though. I don't know. I think they 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 start the brides of Dracula were like drinking his blood, so he was weakened. And it's a real great example of a movie that so many other people could have been in, <laughs> but they picked Keanu. And the movie is better for it, honestly. Like I don't take the movie any more or less seriously because he's in it. It's a silly movie. He doesn't make it more or less silly. And he does he really does some good work in it. Some very serious staring, mm. some like uh very uh, very hard escaping some good love scenes with him and Winona. They have pretty good chemistry. That's good. And I think a nice compliment to Dangerous Liaisons, which is a movie where he also sort of plays like a kind of naive, love interesty character. Um, he's real good with naivete. And what does Keanu do except but, but go, go for, for it? it. He yeah. really, and he always goes for it 100%. Boys. And so. That leads us kind of well into Dangerous Perfect. Liaisons, again from 1988. Also a movie I've not seen. Also a movie I've not seen, and that I did also not see until last year. Um, but it's <laughs> it's famous. I know that. And it won some Oscars. It was actually a famous instance where Glenn Close was yet again snubbed for the Best Actress Oscar. She should have won for this movie. She should have won. I love Glenn Close. Mm-hmm, me too. And the other day, and by that I mean months ago, I was like, she must have, she must have an Oscar. No. No. Yeah. Nominated so many times. And the and not only, it's not even like a situation where she was nominated and it's like, oh, but that year was so strong. One of the greatest actresses of her generation giving a career best performance in Dangerous Liaisons and still losing. And they were like, hmm. Really, this movie is about Glenn Close and John Malkovich. And it's based on a play, a French play. Um, and it's sort of, um, I don't know how to say it, a sort of like sex drama It's about these, like, wealthy aristocrats. Glenn Close is a wealthy widow. John Malkovich, a wealthy bachelor. And they sort of... I thought you were going to say bounty hunter. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a bachelor. He's an aristocrat. And so, in pre-revolutionary France, uh, so we're still, like, court of Versailles, like, opulence and wealth, like, all of this luxury and this sort of like very wealthy wealthy gentry who don't work who have all of this well they, they basically being rich in this era just meant that you like wore really uncomfortable expensive clothes weren't starving or diseased as much as somebody who was poor and you just traveled around to all your friends houses and went to parties and shit until you died like that was your life so that, i mean that seems still true yeah how little has changed <laughs> like- of the wealthy. True enough. Who we know only in passing. Yeah. We can only imagine. Yeah, we can only <laughs> any USA. But that's the sort of milieu okay, cool, cool, of cool, this cool, cool. film. So here's what happens. Glenn Close, John Malkovich, they are buds, perhaps once fuck buddies. Glenn Close has just been dumped, and she tries to bet John Malkovich that he can't seduce the woman who she her ex-lover left her for. And he says, oh, maybe, but I'm actually not going to do that because I have my own little scheme to seduce this other woman, Madame de Torvel, who's the wife of a member of parliament, who, and they're away a lot. And she's supposed to be, like, devoutly religious, uber, uber virtuous, and she's, like, impossible to seduce, and I'm trying to seduce her. And so Len Close says, okay, if you can prove that you can seduce her, then I'll sleep with you. And he says, okay, fine. So he goes off to try and seduce the Michelle Pfeiffer character. Along the way, along the way, he also meets the Uma Thurman character, who is the woman who Glenn Close's yeah. ex-lover left her for, and, and decides, like, wanted. oh, I might as yeah. well try and seduce you too. Why not? All the while, Glenn Close is trying to, like, engineer an affair between Uma Thurman and Keanu Reeves, a music, a, a, a penniless music teacher. Anyway, all of this, like, Michigan is, is happening. To, is that because she was like, oh... If John Malkovich isn't going to fuck this up, I need to fuck this up. Yes. Instead. Yeah. There's sort of a a kind of intense cat and mouse game between the two of them. Okay. 
and the idea is that, like, Glenn Close and John Malkovich are kind of in love, but, like, can't be together or just, like, won't because he's, like, a notorious playboy and she's, like, kind of a notoriously lascivious widow and whatever. So, like, all of this stuff is happening and unfolding. He eventually does seduce both of them. It's kind of, I gotta say, there's some elements of this play and this movie that, like, really don't hold up because the scene in which she, like, quote-unquote seduces Uma Thurman, like, it's rape. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Like, cool, 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 it's cool. it's not really that ambiguous. She's like, no, I definitely don't want to. And he's like, no, we're doing it. And, like, that aspect of the film is not great. Okay. Um, and has not aged well. But the Keanu character, he's in love with Uma Thurman, but then she kind of has this affair with John Malkovich. And then I think she actually doesn't marry the guy she was going to because it gets out that she had an affair. But she falls in... No, 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 no. She doesn't marry the guy she was going to because she falls in love with Keanu Reeves. So, oh, okay. that, so they do fall in love and oh, they're going to be together. But then Keanu Reeves finds out that she had an affair with the John Malkovich <gasps> character. And also, side note, at the same time, also Glenn Close is also kind of having an affair with the Keanu Reeves character. Like, they're also lovers. I mean, Keanu, you can't be mad at Uma if Truly, you're also having an affair. Yeah, everybody's fucking everyone. and he, Just have an orgy. Yeah, and so he finds out that the John Malkovich character has just, like, fucked all the women he's ever loved. And so he challenges him to a duel, and then the John Malkovich character is killed in the duel. And that's Great. what, that is the essentially the plot of this film. But again, like, very highbrow, super prestige project that Keanu Reeves is in. <laughs> Pops up in. Yeah, he just appears. I actually, here's the thing. I remember when you watched Dangerous Liaisons. Mm-hmm. And then told me about it. Yeah. And then you were like, also Keanu Reeves is in it. <laughs> yeah. And what a delightful surprise. Yeah, and you were like, that was weird and great. <laughs> it is weird and great. It does, it does like take you out of it. does take you out of it for a minute because you're like, what? Not who I expected to see. Sure. But again, like in that New York Times article, you're never disappointed that he's in the movie. You're just like, oh, this is a different choice. And it makes the movie so much more interesting. He always brings something a little unexpected and a little bit of whimsy, intentionally or not. It is true. Whimsy is a great word to describe him. And mm-hmm. it sounds like, again, whether intentional or not, in these kinds of movies, you need that, like, little bit of of whimsy. I think you do. To break the tension. Yeah, because otherwise it's just, like, kind of too self-serious. And it's just yeah. about, like, horrible people acting despicably and, like, intentionally trying to hurt other people. And Keanu would never... No. Would never do that. We would not be a, on on his side. No. So I'm going to let you watch a clip of Uma Thurman and Keanu Reeves sporting a very, a very 18th century wig. So this is a scene between Keanu Reeves and Uma Thurman in Dangerous Liaisons. Ooh, Glenn Close. It's very... never looked better. I know, she is so fucking hot in this movie. And in general. And in general. Alright, so we're watching something, we're in the opera, Lots of wigs and a slow zoom in on Keanu. With a single tear. One single tear because he's so moved by the show. He is. He's a music teacher, a musician. Oh, sure. How are you? Oh, and the French accent. I don't believe you know my name. Madame de Vallon. What are the accents in this movie? It's one of the situations where it's a period piece set in a European country, and so because it's going to be in English, they just decide to give everybody a British accent to, like, make it make sense, and we all just agree that that's a normal thing to do. Well, like, they wouldn't be speaking French. Yeah, but, like, why can't they just speak in their normal accents, and we can just make believe they're all speaking French to each other? I don't know. Oh, Keanu. Mm, love at first sight. Okay, yeah. There's, like, a lot of tension happening. Keanu could not look younger. Mm-hmm. I know. He's such a baby. His hair is Johnny, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he leaves. And he's gone. He met, and he was like, yep, so happy. I'm gone now. Oh, so many bosoms. Oh, Glenny. Glenn just had the great idea for Uma to employ Keanu. I mean, talk about little baby faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We just cut... Two, Uma has now hired Keanu as her music teacher, is playing the harp, he is playing the piano, they are doing some sort of something with their voices. Can we call it singing? That's why I did it. <laughs> Ooh, and Keanu doing the, like, coming behind, giving you a, a secret little note. <gasps> oh my god, it says, I love you. Uh-huh. It was a tiny note. It said, I love you. Could there be anything more romantic? <laughs> In front of a bunch of people, it's obviously forbidden. Oh, and Glenn Close is like, ooh, she sounds bid. 
Yeah, that's just a little bit. That's pretty much what he does. And then there's like some scenes of him and Glenn Close getting it on, which is kind of fun and hot. Um, but that that is mainly how he functions in the film. He's kind of character is, is kind of a pawn in the schemes of Glenn Close and John Malkovich. I mean, that makes sense. It sounds almost similar. Yes. To Dracula. Yeah, similar in a lot of ways. His he is sort of like the hapless pawn in the schemes of um more powerful or um magnetic characters. The protect yeah. The this, rich, the upper no, class. He is such a leading man, but neither of these films is he the leading man in. He's definitely like an also ran supporting character. Which, again, like, gets back to your point about him being kind of egoless, right? Like, at this point, he could have said, no, I only want to be the leading man and stuff. I only want to do these types of pictures. I only want top billing. But he didn't. He was like, I want to do a really interesting mix of different stuff. And yeah. and then you get this. It is interesting. I mean, they were four years apart, but mm-hmm. it is interesting that in kind of quick succession, he did two mm-hmm. period piece, more dramatic I don't know if we can call Dracula drama, but... (laughs) An unintentional comedy. An unintentional comedy. But things where, yeah, again, where he was, like, trying to... Stretch stretch. himself. Yeah. And I'm also... I could see other A-list celebrities in this movie, in other movies, being like, oh, that's weird. Like, not being cool with it. But even in just that first scene, like, he and Uma looked great together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was your take on his, his the little acting that you saw him do? <sighs> Definitely whimsy. Whimsy. I would say. It's earnest. Earnest. Sincere. All of those, like, synonyms. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely different, I would say, <laughs> than what we're usually <laughs> expecting. Like, I was not mm-hmm. expecting. I, even from that, like, long shot didn't recognize him. Mm-hmm, yeah. Again, the wig is doing a lot of the work. But an interesting... I don't know that I've ever actually seen him in... No, that's not true. It's been a really long time since I've seen him do, like, serious work. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting. There is always going to be a component, though, that's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's still, like, <laughs> in the back of your head, he is still, like, Bill and Ted. And in his other, like, kind of silly action movies, yeah. you're like, ah, uh, what it... Come on. Uh, you do it here but you're right it is kind of fun that after success he was like i'm gonna take some smaller parts but do some more because this is also fun yeah it's just fun in a very different kind of way completely and you know before we wrap up i think it is definitely worth mentioning that you know he did some pretty remarkable things especially as like an actor of asian descent Mm -hmm. who is like mixed race and not white to be in like big period piece projects like this with basically an all-white cast, and still, like, make a name for himself, make space for himself in Mm -hmm. projects that people might not expect to see him in. Yeah, absolutely. And as I think you made a really good point, that we had just come off of seeing him as the leading man, Mm -hmm. that even just to see him in a supporting... Like, there's so many surprises about him in these movies, and one of them is, like, oh, this is a tiny part. Like, this isn't... So you're surprised that he's in it, you're surprised he's doing something serious, and then you're also, like... Oh, I'm seeing a movie with Keanu Reeves in it, but it's not about Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it's not a Keanu Reeves movie. It's like, have we ever... That is not a trajectory that I have seen as often. Yeah, it seems like he he, he does just seem like genuinely very guileless. And like, you just get the sense that he really loves it, right? And that's why he's doing it, not for recognition or fame i mean like i'm sure that's some motivator too because it's like it's not like he's he's not a god he's a human being like i'm sure fame and success is appealing as it would be to anyone it's nice Um, to have money (laughs) but it's not it's clearly not his only motivator right yeah and no i mean there's so many stories of like his philanthropy and him like giving away his entire check on the matrix like Mm -hmm. all of that so yeah it's for the money but also yeah you can definitely see that he's doing it for the fun of it and for, like, the stretch of it and not just for the prestige of it. Yeah, and I can imagine just because of his kind of unique mannerisms and presentation and, like, his style of acting, I'm sure many people along the way, like, didn't take him seriously or underestimated him because he didn't fit into their idea of what a serious actor was or looked Mm -hmm. like or sounded like. But still, he persisted and, like, has had a pretty remarkable career in spite of other people's preconceived notions about him. It's true. I mean, going back to it, though, the the fact that these parts are smaller, though, kind of makes sense, though, because yeah. I don't think he would go from, you know, the big blockbuster thing to then somebody being like, would you like to be the lead in this, like, <laughs> very 
like what we're hoping to be a critically acclaimed movie. Mm-hmm. So for him to also be like, okay, that's not the role I'm going to get. And then take a smaller part as mm-hmm. opposed to like, well, then I'm just going to make my own or like right. blah, blah, blah. Like to trust that maybe these actors are better at this kind of genre. Mm-hmm. This isn't my place to be center stage. This yeah. is my place to be a supporting character. Yeah. I mean, he's versatile. He's limber and nimble and not afraid to take risks. And I think we should all aspire to that level of like flexibility and openness mm-hmm. in our in our careers and our creative pursuits. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Well, now I want to watch both of these movies. So. Yes! Mission accomplished. I mean, it always, that's always the mission of the <laughs> <laughs> True. And then we'll have to do a check-in about your reaction Oh, when I watch it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully by the by the time we're done with this season. Well, so maybe like the last episode. Um, shall we go on to our segment? We like to end the pod. Yeah. With a cute little segment. Mm-hmm. If you've listened before, you know. If not, welcome. And today's segment, we're just going with an, an oldie but a goodie. Pet peeves. Pet peeves. Pet peeves are the perfect thing for this podcast because they're basically like the opposite of a niche obsession. They're a niche frustration. Mm -hmm. Again, as I've said many times, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people don't know what pet peeves are. And they're like, my pet peeves are littering. It's like, no, that is a global issue (laughs) and a problem, a systemic issue in our society. Not a pet peeve. Not a pet peeve. No. A pet peeve is individualized, it's mm-hmm. specific, it's petty, it carries basically no real importance. It's just something that irks you. And other people will think that you're crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Or being annoyed by it. Yeah. Great. Who would like to go first? Um, I'll start because okay, I, I have one that I've been saving for this segment. Great. I'm just going to pull up. I texted myself earlier today. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> so I'm just um, going to get mine ready. Okay. Here's another pet peeve of mine, and it's any kind of novelty mug <laughs> I really can't abide I really just can't stand it I I hate it any like animal shaped mug any kind of like mug with a cutesy little slogan like don't talk to me until I've had my, my coffee yeah, 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 yeah stop it <laughs> get a nor it is a functional item it is a functional object don't make it your whole personality. I'm sorry. Or like, maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's wine. Like, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Anything that you, any mug that you would find in the home section of Marshall's. No, I steer Quinn clear. Not a fan of. I run in the other direction. I sprint. What is wrong with just a plain, simple mug for you to drink your hot beverage? Why do you need to make it all cutesy, fun, seasonal? Ah, I, 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 I cannot. And they're harder to drink out of. Like the ones that are like shaped like a pumpkin. Yeah, the shaped, one, the shaped ones are, are a challenge. You can't drink out of it. I mean, as somebody who drinks, you, not mm-hmm. me, as somebody who drinks like a lot of coffee and tea, this feels like a very appropriate pet peeve. Yeah, and also... I hate any kind of, like, novelty item that's meant to be, like, a funny conversation starter. It just feels so disingenuous and, like, cloying to me. Okay. I just don't like it. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my talk. (laughs) I hear that. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. (laughs) I completely understand. Thank you. But how do you feel about just, like... But you like, like, pretty mug. Like, if, yeah, it that's has, fine. like, a nice pattern on it. So I love like, a pattern. It's not that you want, like, all mugs to just be, like, standard size, like, white. No. It's just the... I'm good with that. The ones it's... that are, like, going out of their way to be obnoxious. Yeah, and they are, and I find them very obnoxious. We all know the ones I'm talking about. Oh, no, we absolutely do. But that's the thing, is, like, if you have one, you have 15. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It becomes a problem. It be- Here's the thing. It's never just one mug. It's so true, Renee. Oh, now you've really got me going again. It's it's really, it's never just the one mug. Because if you have one, you have to have more than that. Because if you just have one, then that's like your mug. Exactly. Like when people are coming over, are you supposed to have a cheeky mug and then everyone else not supposed to have a cheeky mug? No. Like if you are the kind of person who has a cheeky mug, you are the kind of person who has enough for everyone. It's so true. And who gets them as gifts for everyone. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. So please nobody ever get me a gift that's a novelty mug because I, I'll smile and I'll say thank you and I will genuinely be grateful for the thought and the yeah. time that you put into getting me a gift because in the end, I am always grateful and like nobody deserves gifts. That's why it's a gift. It's a thought that counts. It's a thought that counts. 
but I will throw it out. But if you love her, don't do it. <laughs> yes, so that's my pet peeve. I What's yours? It. I love how impassioned. Are we just? Are we doing one? I think I'm, I was only I was only prepared with the one. Mm. We can we can do more than okay, one. Okay, so these four. I should. <laughs> this is very representative <laughs> of our two personalities. I will tell you that I texted my this to myself. Got a text. Was excited. And it was the next I to my <laughs> So, and I knew that was going to happen. I literally was like, Renee, now that you did this, it's going to ping. Like, don't think that it's somebody else. I do that with emails and to myself all the happened. time. Yeah. Okay. Here's one that has come up recently. And it hasn't been an issue since, like, elementary school. So it was a real, like, really yeah. brought me back. And it was one of those things that's like, oh, my God, I hadn't remembered that this was an issue in so long. I have very long hair. Yes. I've always had long hair. Occasionally I've cut... I, every once in a while, again, this is tangential, every once in a while I'm like, let's do it, let's go short, and then every time I do it, I regret it. And I don't know why I like keep doing that, but anyway, long story short, I have long hair currently. I recently got a new desk chair. It had a headrest on it. I took the headrest off. Since the headrest has been off, I lean back, all of my hair goes behind me on the chair, Yeah. And then get stuck oh. in those two tiny fucking screws yeah. that were there for the headrest. Mm-hmm. And it's never, like, enough hair for it to, like, you know, keep me in place and be like, oh, this is an issue. Let me fix it. It's always just, like, four strands, <laughs> like, just when you lean forward. So it's just, like, always just really annoying. Yeah, that just is like annoying. Strikingly annoying. And it always happened in elementary schools in those little chairs that were like blue mm. and the top of the yeah. like the top was separate and it had two little screws at the top. Uh-huh. It was the same exact issue. And or would it, it, or if it would get stuck like between the plastic and the metal pole, like the plastic mm-hmm. of the backrest mm-hmm. and the metal like that happened to me a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just all of those fun things. Usually my hair is in a bun, so it's not an issue. But, ooh, you just pull forward and you just feel, like, from the nape. I hate that. You just feel those, like, four. And then Mm. I looked at my chair and there was just hair in it. Ah! Like a fucking crazy person. Oh, no! And another pet peeve of mine is just, like, loose hair. Oh, yeah, same. Honestly, same. Like, one day I was, we have one carpet in our apartment. And I was kind of just, like, brushing it with my hand to get, like, stuff out of it. And it ended up being, like, a huge hairball. And I nearly threw up. Oh, no. I nearly threw up. And my boyfriend was like, did you seriously just gag? And I was like, yes. (laughs) It is a hairball. I hate it. I get it. I mean, that is annoying. That's irksome. It is. It's it's the perfect pet peeve because it really is one of those things that just, like, oh, that's annoying. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, you're just like, ugh. Like, it's fine. And it'll happen again. Yeah. It's not a problem. Pet peeves are not a problem. Like, novelty mugs, hair getting stuck and stuff, it's not a problem. Oh my god, yeah, It's just a small issue. Yeah. And then you let it go. (laughs) Well, great, now I have more pet peeves to save for later. One of them has to do with math, so I'm sure you'll love that one. Yeah, math is a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) All math is a pet peeve of mine. The entire genre. Not a fan. Not a fan. (laughs) Try to avoid it if I can. Um, and on that note, go watch a Keanu movie this weekend. Go watch a Keanu movie, tell us all about it, and we will be back with more. Yeah, in the comments, let us know what your favorite Keanu film is, or a favorite Keanu moment. Okay, signing off. Thank you. Bye. obsession locally produced in a very hot apartment in los angeles we're your hosts quinn and renee special thanks to jono for our music dean for our graphics and quinn for editing you're welcome let us know what you thought of this episode by leaving a comment and don't forget to subscribe for more information on us and the show search your next obsession podcast on all the social medias and or send an email to your next obsession podcast at gmail.com thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening we're adorable we're so cute <laughs>